You know what they do when they're bored? Talk to their horse. They have no friends. Talk to the horse. Pretend, pretend country. It's not a country. It's a fiefdom. I fought in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Now go away or I shall taunt you for a second time. Hello everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Versus. Just a brief little introduction, this is a little video series where we will pit two factions or characters against each other, and essentially both sides will have to argue the merits, and also incredibly uh, vitriolic at the end when we get to diss each other. Um, this week we have Colin and Eli. Uh, Colin over here will be representing Empire. Colin, how are you feeling so far? I am channeling Victor Saltspire. I am more than uh, assured in my victory over the uh, dumb, stupid, idiot horse people. Uh, the vitriol's already started, I see. <laughs> already, uh, I have to say that for the minute of hate at the end. This um, counts as the Abertonia uh, beginner to expert. <laughs> an, an entree, shall we say. An entree of hatred towards the French. Uh, sorry for already going there. Uh, Eli will be representing Bretonia. Eli, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm sure our glorious and beautiful nation will prevail, and the Code of Chivalry demand I do not speak ill of my uh, honorable combatant. Oh, so gosh. I shan't say anything. He's risen above it. He's he's all above it. Well, yeah, unfortunately, let's see, if can, <laughs> see if he can rise above a doomstack of Hellstorm rockets. <laughs> well, hopefully, he won't have to rise above it at the end when he gets to unleash his hatred. Um, but that being said, though, we will begin the first round with Colin. Colin, are you ready? Aye, aye, Captain. Aye, aye, Captain. Your five minutes begins now. Uh, so let me just say, the Empire of Man, uh, for its proper name, is uh, quite the uh, quite the empire. Uh, it's been around for 2,700 years. The calendar in the Warhammer settings is the Empire of Man's calendar, just to already show you right out the gate. The whole setting does revolve around them, rightfully so, might I add, because they are the greatest nation of man on the entire Warhammer world of uh, Warhammer fantasy. <clears throat> they have the best science in uh, all of the world, and you might say that's the dwarves. Well, the dwarves, if it's not a blueprint for 50 million years, just doesn't count, uh, so I'm willing to put, a, put that in the Empire's corner. Uh, while perhaps the elves beat them in magic, the Empire's job is not to be the best in any one role. Because, you see, they, uh, they know their strengths and weaknesses. They know that, sure, in melee, a Chaos Warrior might win, but the Chaos Warrior doesn't have 50 cannons and a tank uh, behind them, whereas the Empire does. And that is the true glory of the Empire as a, as a faction in Warhammer. Many people think, well, you gotta be the best at something to win. You need to be good enough, and the Empire is more than good enough in whatever it puts its mind to. In its thousands of years of history, it has fought literally everything the Warhammer world has to offer. <clears throat> uh, befitting them as the uh, inspiration for the Imperium of Man, meaning they're the ones who are going out doing a pretty good grunt load of the fighting. Uh, and them, when a push comes to shove and it's time to save the world, it is the Empire who steps up and handles everything. At least in modern Warhammer. Uh, you know, uh, Chaos Invasion, you better believe the Empire's on the front lines. Uh, Norskins, which are 
chaos, but slightly different because they're more raiders than anything. It's the Empire dealing with the brunt of them, and they deal with it handily. Uh, wood Elves, because Durthu has decided that the uh, the Grey Mountains belong to him, and Nuln, because his AI in Total War is bloodthirsty. Well, that's the Empire's problem again, and they make sure that damn tree man goes back to his forest. Uh, Bretonia? Well, you know, I, less said about that. I know there was a there was a certain battle where uh, a Bretonian Grail Knight uh, decided an honorable duel was the best way to win. And, you know, I will give what little credit is deserved. He did win the duel. Uh, and then got blown apart by cannons because the Empire General took the time to set up artillery while the Bretonians were busy, I don't know, thumb up their buttholes and just watching the, their leader do a duel and forgot that this is a military campaign. Uh, so that was a resounding Imperial victory. Uh, the, the Skaven, uh, shout out to my man Mandred Skaven Slayer, got rid of all those damn rats. Uh, I mean, I could just go on and on listing amazing empires, emperors, pardon me, Magnus the Pious, the, uh, the, sing the second, yeah, I'll, go, I'll go second greatest emperor, Sigmar, Sigmar I think's third, he got the whole thing going, but Magnus the Pious was, you know, he was a real, he was a G. Uh, he, he knows the value of cooperation, something not many Warhammer factions quite <laughs> managed to grasp. Especially in 40k, but Magnus the Pious, he got the dwarves involved, he got the elves involved to set up the Colleges of Magic and made sure that the Empire could truly blossom. Uh, they have the Colleges of Magic, so they have safeguards and ways to train wizards so they don't just explode. They have the Engineering Colleges in Nuln, so they have science at the forefront of it that mostly does not end in the engineers uh, exploding with test-fired uh, mis misfiring cannons. It's all very reliable, good stuff. The Empire is something for everyone, from the most uh, hardy forester in the uh, forests of Ostland to those who want a more cosmopolitan approach in Altdorf. That's a big word I stumbled. <laughs> and of course, this goes nothing without saying, uh, mentioning the big K himself, Karl Franz, Prince and Emperor, uh, uh, ruler of Altdorf, wielder of the Reichland Runefang. If I keep giving all of his titles, I'm going to lose all of my debating time. Uh, he's the greatest statesman in the old world, the best emperor of the Empire of Man, the best emperor in all of Warhammer, because uh, he's not stuck on a chair. He's got his god hammer, he's got a cool mount, and he gets out and gets stuff done. He knows how to talk you out of an argument, and if a uh, push comes to shove, he's going to cave your face in with Galmaraz. And truly, the Empire is just is just the best. It is simply the better faction in this debate and Warhammer fantasy. Uh, whatever you want, whatever historical inspiration you need, whatever you could possibly want in a faction, the Empire provides for you. And with that, with faith, steel, and gunpowder, I end up. the first round of my argument. <laughs> God, perfect timing. Very nice. Christ. Very wow. nice. Bang on the dot for five minutes. Well, it's a strong, uh, I'd say quite uh, information-heavy start, but I think Eli has got his rebuttal coming up. Eli, are you ready? Yes, sir. Your five-minute time limit begins now. Mm, thank you. I was originally going to watch the uh, response to Pancreas No Work video and just copy that guy's argument for fun, but I decided not to, so I won't troll that hard. <laughs> Anyways. It was a good video. Mm -hmm. Here in the great and beautiful land of Bretonia, we all strive for the betterment of our nation. Our land is beautiful, filled with golden fields, mystical forests, and the fresh sea. 
the king rules with a just and strong hand, while his noble knights watch over our fields and protect the weaker folk. Heroes trod these lands, defending the realm far and wide from all the evils that beset it. The great lady blesses her knights, giving them superhuman abilities as they undergo glorious quests of chivalry. We work together as a unified people to defend the weak and uphold justice. When the time calls, all fellows will band together and take up arms to fight against evil and take victory in the darkest hours. The Knights of Britonia are unlike any others in the old world and the new. No mortal man may come close to their incredible ability, and the tale is even greater for the incredible lords and ladies. The codes of chivalry are among our most sacred traditions. These codes are law and demand that justice be upheld and that the strong defend and care for the weak. Yes, there are lesser men who neglect these codes and treat their people poorly, and such a thing is inexcusable, yet all nations contain corruption and evil. Instead, let us look to the good, for Britonia is truly a land of honor, glory, and nobility. Paladins walk the lands searching out monsters, foes, and injustices wherever they go. Some may simply stay upon their duke or duchess's land and protect their borders from abominations. Grail knights have taken up incredible quests and done unbelievable things to gain the favor of the lady. At her lake they sip from her cup and are granted supernatural power, taking them far above any mortal. Some knights ride atop the beautiful Pegasus, soaring into battle and decimating the forces of terror. Some have even gained access by the Wood Elves into their glades, for that is how pure they have become. I may speak of one knight who traveled through time itself to slay a great green dragon and save his wife. While Britonia is beset on all sides, such as many of the forces of good are, they do not waver. The brave knights lead from the front, rallying their people from peasant to lord. All partake in the defense of Britonia no matter how large or small. The Lady of the Lake is worshipped throughout the land. She is the goddess of purity, nobility, and courage. She is a just being, and withholds grace to those deemed evil, therefore only giving her blessing to the pure of heart. She chose Britonia as she saw them to be the only ones worthy amongst all of humanity to serve her cause. And do not be mistaken, for she is as much a god as Sigmar and the other deities of the world. I'll bank my time for part two. Oh, that's pretty, uh, I'd say that's quite an impassioned uh, opening speech there. Quite eloquent, I have to say, Eli. I do have uh, two questions for both of you beautiful boys, and I'd like Colin to ask it first. It's a little bit of an easier slam dunk one, this Wait one. On me. But I hope it's, uh -oh. um, it's, it's just this one to get people cooking. Uh, obviously, we all know chaos is a enormous problem for all the no matter what Warhammer genre or uh, setting you're in um, it's pretty pretty much the end all um, so I'd like to ask how would your faction best deal with chaos Colin well of course it, uh, it depends on the scale of the incursion uh, you know for the big old battles that we uh, we as Warhammer fans and YouTubers love to read about and talk about the Empire's military will never be found wanting they will set out uh, with the aid of their allies, the elves, the dwarves, and of course, uh, glorious Kislev, and ensure that however far chaos gets, it will not achieve victory, and they will be driven back into the wastes. Uh, for smaller stuff, the uh, the Empire, of course, has the Witch Hunters. They prowl the cities, and uh, na uh, uh, pardon me, the different little uh, elector states of the Empire, and make sure that wherever heresy may lie it will be rooted out with efficiency 
and you better believe they do a good job of it, because witch hunters are well, they're trained uh, they're trained to be the best. And uh, if you ever played Vermintide, they're damn good in a fight too. Uh, shout out to Victor Saltspire. Uh, and as a bonus, they usually don't kill entire towns in the in the way that planets in 40k tend tend to get exterminatist. Uh, they will find the root of the problem. They will uh, drive it out, and then they move on to the next. So the Empire has quite the robust systems in place to make sure chaos can't get a foot in the door. And if I, it does, uh, nope. Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. If they do get to the door, they shut the door on the damn thing's face and problem solved. They, they stop the toe of chaos repeatedly, we could say. It's quite efficient. <laughs> it's just that video, like, there's a, a terrible reference, but there's that video where someone's like, you, you, your brain stops you from stubbing your toe, and in the background this guy just stops his toe repeatedly <laughs> just to prove something. <laughs> there's no relevance Jeez. to this argument. I can see that. <laughs> Yes, that was fitting. Sorry, boys. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I challenged the same question to Eli oh about stone tubbing. Um, how would Britonia best deal with chaos? Oh, as for an invasion, we would rally the people and band together and defeat the hordes of chaos with our glorious lords and ladies charging from the front. We've had single men defeat greater demons because that's just how epic the Space Marine Grail Knights truly are. We have Space Marines on horses, don't forget it. Um, as for internal conflicts, we have pious people. They don't gotta worry about chaos because they believe in the lady. Mm, good answer, good answer. And I have one last one for you both. Uh, Colin first. Um, I'm a big fan of this one particularly because I believe, even though it's not a tangible argument, I think it's still important. Explain your faction's best drip. What's the best look? Why? Why has your faction got the you know the better look? Oh, what? Uh, would you? That, that's quite a difficult question because the empire has all sorts of drip. Uh, there's of course you know, I am as always uh, quite car partial to Carl Franz's drip. Uh, he's got the wonderful plate armor. He's got you know he's got the sash. He's got the helmet with the red, white, and blue plumes on it. He's got the little griff, golden griffin on top of the helmet, of the hammer. But, you know, there's more than that. There's Boris Toddbringer and his funny little castle he's got in his helmet. <laughs> Shout out to my man, Boris. <laughs> uh, there's the great swords who go into battle. You know, the Zweihanders and all of the, the puffy clothings and puffy hats those entail, which are just great. Uh, Even the knightly orders, may I add, as well. I always forgot about them. Oh, of course. They, uh, they... I think uh, Bretonia thinks they have the monopoly down on knights. Well, yeah, well, they don't. They don't. The Empire has knights, too. Uh, the Reichsguard especially, uh, quite dripped out, as they should be for the bodyguards of the Emperor. Uh, and, of course, and, uh, you know, this is something that I think will be hard to match. Uh, Felix Jaeger is from the Empire, and that oh, man it's over. It's over. is, oh, is not fair. fashionable. <laughs> that is a fashionable man. He knows, he knows how to adventure in style. Uh, so I, I think the Empire's got drip at every level. I'm, a, I'm partial to a, a cheeky demigriff with a halberd uh, in total one. I'm gonna lie, the way they run. Damn, got me jealous. Um, <laughs> Eli, I'm not that jealous, uh, I can run the same way. Oh my gosh. Eli, I pass well, this to you. Why has Bretonia got the best drip? I think we all know undeniably, Bretonia has insane drip. Every single one of their knights looks so freaking cool. We have Pegasus knights, the beautiful, pure 
horses with the dripped out dudes on top. The Fae Enchantress is just Galadriel, the most beautiful woman in the land. King Louis has his fancy crown. Have you seen Albrick? I don't remember his last name. Oh, Deborder Lou. That guy's drip incarnate, covered in gold. Uh, bro, hey, come on. You know those old uh, Lego sets with the knights in them? They were kind of like... Oh, they, if I, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, those... You can't tell me those weren't the coolest things ever when you were a kid. And Bretonia is just that, but with Warhammer. I will cool. say, and I'm partially saying it because I did say it in my video, and so I'll bring it up. I did admit Bretonia does have drip. Knights look cool. It's a it's a tough one to argue against the drip, especially I imagine quite a lot of us are uh, Total War Medieval Two players yes. as well. So that's pretty much our childhood screaming at us right now. There is also, a, there is a unique. Oh, sorry. Cool, sorry. I was say if we look at the new models coming out for uh, Old World. I see some Bretonia in there. That's They're true. pretty drippy. Isn't there a guy did, standing I, on someone's head <laughs> in a mask? Paladin, like the, probably. Yeah, the knight paladin with the little antlers on his head. When you add antlers to a design, it's automatically like just way cooler. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it just makes it feel more like connected to nature, but in a way that's like nature is going to kick your ass. Do the, as a mm -hmm. side question, does the Empire have any answer for the Green Knight in terms of drip? Boom. Ooh, that is a that is quite a good question. Uh, I you know I have to say uh, both their founders uh, you know the Green Knight. Spoiler alert: uh, <laughs> Giles LeBreton, uh, founder. I I'm I'm not gonna say it like that. <laughs> the hate starts again. Giles LeBreton <laughs> uh, is uh, the founder, and I think it's only fair to compare him to to Sigmar. And uh, you know, I know I would say I'm a I'm personally a bigger fan of Sigmar's drip, the raging barbarian uh, chieftain look. Uh, where he's got the furs, he's got uh, occasionally he's just shirtless like Conan the Barbarian. Uh, but you know, he's sometimes he's got you know the fur armor and the pelt, and always wielding Galmaraz because Galmaraz. I know it's a weapon, but it is it is part of the of you know Sigmar's gear. Uh, I would say it counts as the drip. Uh, That's a pretty good answer. And, I don't know why. Yeah. So uh, I'd say the answer to that is the Empire's own founder, Sigmar. Well, uh, oof. I'm not going to lie, there's been some good points on both of those questions, to be fair. It's kind of... Uh, it was, it's, it's definitely made it very even Stephen, if you know what I mean. Oh, it's quite tough. Uh, with that being said, though, I think we have to move on into the next section. Are you guys both ready? I am. Uh, Colin, you're up first. Are you ready for your next three minutes of... Maybe, maybe there's some hate. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if it gets going. Your time begins now. All right. Well, uh, I think now's a bit time to do some, you know, a little, little bit of undercutting. I'll, I'll be honest. So Eli brought up, you know, the lady, uh, the goddess of Bretonia, and you know, I, uh, I can't help but wonder what's what's the lady's real name, Eli. Do you happen to have an answer for me? I think uh, I think it starts with an L. Uh, L. Lilith, Lil Lil Lilith, uh, the high elven god of uh, magic quite curious that the Bretonians seem to not make that connection, that their chief god has pointy ears. Not that I'm against, you know, worshipping the elves. I'm the last person to be against that. Uh, but they do it in a way that's quite cocked, if I may say so myself. Uh, whereas the Empire has not just one uh, mighty god. Sigmar, of course, is the main god. And he is just Sigmar, the man-turned-god. So, no, uh, no divine cuckoldry going on here. He is the Empire's god. Uh, but it's not just him. They have plenty of other mighty deities. There's, of course, Ulrich, the Winter Wolf. Uh, he's very cool and Sigmar's own personal god, so 
the Empire has so many powerful gods that their chief god worships a god. Uh, quite nice. Uh, all of whom are gods of man, not go elf gods masquerading to trick an entire country into being their puppet state. Uh, where and uh, there's plenty more than that. Um, there's uh, wow, I completely blanked out. All right, maybe there's not plenty more than that. Tall. Uh, I'll give you an uh, oh God, thank you. Tall, the uh, the god of the hunt, the uh, sort of an equivalent to Kurnos, although he is an equivalent, not Kurnos in a funny hat. And they, the Empire just has everything it needs within itself. It has all of the weaponry, all of the science, all of the magic it needs to properly win. Uh, and another thing about their gods is, uh, quite interestingly, they give the power to whoever needs it. You don't need to go on this stupid, massive quest to feed your, you know, to drink the holy bath water. Sigmar <laughs> sees you're in trouble and he empowers you to win the day. Uh, he's done that to a vampire of all people who proved she wasn't a Manfred von Karstein vampire. Uh, Genevieve, a very long name, not saying all of that. Uh, and of course, to say nothing of uh, Ulrich having werewolves, uh, I don't see any werewolves in Britonia, and werewolves are awesome. Uh, another fun point, uh, the Empire fights vampires much more effectively than Britonia does. Last I checked, Mosin is always just a little cancer there. Whereas Sylvania has multiple times been brought under Imperial control uh, until Manfred ruins everything because he's Manfred. And just one last point, uh, the treatment of citizens. You may say Bretonia is simply everyone, almost everyone is good. The Empire has problems, but it works to fix those problems, unlike Bretonia, who just ignores them and says there is no problems, peasants shouldn't be allowed to eat. Uh, the Empire fixes where it goes wrong. There, unfortunately. <laughs> The peasant hate hasn't wasn't allowed. <laughs> but, uh, was what? The peasant we couldn't quite get into the peasant. But speaking of uh, possibly talking about peasants, uh, Eli, are you ready? Love for me your... peasants. Love me peasants. Yes, sir. Are you ready? And your time yes. begins now. All right. Let us speak of our heroes. For Bretonia, after all, is a land of heroes. The Fae Enchantress speaks for the Lady of the Lake, giving her power and influence over all the land. She is an incredible magic user who will always defend her followers and show mercy to all kindred. The Enchantress is followed by Grail Damsels, similar to that of Grail Knights, but wielding magic instead of blade, and they're all ladies. King Louis de Encour is our warrior king, who is honest and noble. He will not allow the laws to warp justice, and he rides atop his grand hippogriff at the front of the battle. Albrecht de Bordeloux is an undefeated lord who only allows those knights with utmost courage and honor to reside within his court. Raponce de Lyonnais is our very own Jeanne d'Arc. From peasant to duchess, she became the crusading light of our lands. She is truly a champion of the people, as she had started from the most humble of beginnings, showing us that it is not impossible to gain glory in even the lowest station of our Bretonia. The most legendary and mythical of them all, who was spoiled a little bit earlier today, is that of the Green Knight. He was once Giles Lee Breton, first king and founder of Bretonia. He appears when needed most and is the sacred protector of Bretonia, apparating out of thin air to smite his foes. He is unstoppable and undeniable upon the battlefield as his ghostly steed charges through the most horrific of foes. He has slaughtered thousands of beastmen, so much so that they have given him the name Soul Killer and tremble at even the mention of the warrior. 
These are but a few heroes of the land, not to mention the superhuman Grail Knights and Paladins who have been granted incredible power from the Lady herself. Also, the Red Duke is cool, so it's okay that Muzalan is still there, because he has plot armor. And they can't kill a main character. <laughs> Even though he's not a legendary lord in Total War. For some reason. See, they really made Yuanbo before they made the Red Duke. Rightfully so. Yuanbo's <laughs> cool. He is cool, I did a video on him. <laughs> Actually, no, yeah, I don't... The Beastman lady... I'm done with my argument, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Time the, stops there. <laughs> The Beastman lady, I had never even heard of until oh, I'm not. Mother Astankia? Yeah. They made her before cool. the Red Duke. Yeah, yeah bro! They, they made her up. Oh, they made one up before doing the actual characters! They made all of Cathay up before doing oh, the Red Duke. Yeah, you're. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Oh, Total War Pains. Uh, speaking Let's... of Pains, uh, I'd like to ask you guys just two quick questions here. Uh, yes, sir. A little bit more, uh, I love, I'm a little bit more unfair on some of these ones, but uh, again, a little bit easier one to start with. Uh, Colin, how would your faction best deal with the other? With the other? With Eli's. Oh, so like, oh. Uh, well, I think I even, you know, I gave an exact uh, situation where uh, the Empire handily dealed with Bretonia. Uh, they, the Empire, uh, being a military, uh, well, having a proper military, not LARPers on horseback, uh, <laughs> challenged the Bretonian Grail Knight in charge to a duel. And like I, you know, like I said, fair is fair, Bretonian Grail Knights in melee are rather strong, and despite the Imperial General, I believe it was either, it was either Ludwig Schwarzhelm or, uh, someone, I'm forgetting, it was a name character, and I'm quite ashamed of myself for forgetting his name off the top of my head. Uh, but despite being a damn good uh, swordsman and melee fighter himself, he ultimately lost the battle, uh, the duel. And uh, the Bretonian, I should say, commented that he was a damn good fighter and he, it was a shame to see him killed. Whereas the Empire General uh, just, uh, just kind of was like, yeah, yeah very, very funny, sir. Uh, allow me to retort. And then cannons that were maneuvered into position blew the Bretonian army away, uh, including the head off of the Bretonian Grail Knight. Uh, and that's how the that's one of the ways the Empire would win. They fight as a military, not as a, like a medieval war reenactment society with you no know, Renaissance affair, honorable duels. They actually play to win. And aside from situations like that, where maybe they have the rare Bretonian who isn't huffing his own farts, is in charge and knows he has to win. Uh, rockets, cannons, guns, halberds. Uh, Bretonian is all about horses. Well, the Empire's halberdiers, which both in-game and by the fact of being long pointy sticks, anti-cavalry, uh, cannons and rockets, quite good at dealing with people on horseback. To say nothing of the wizardry the Empire possesses. Bretonia may have its own wizards, the damsels, but the Empire has a much more versatile kit to work with, uh, being able to wield every single of the main lords of magic against the Bretonians. Wow, that's hard to. I'm not gonna lie, Eli. It's hard to uh, come again. Uh, Eli, how would you best deal with the Empire? Mm, well, firstly, we would likely not invade the Empire because that'd be quite rude to do to another human civilization. But if we did, we would succeed through chivalry and honor. Unlike these dogs shooting bullets at us, I'm sure our uh, superior maneuvering upon horseback would be able to get around those, as you know it does in Total War. Because uh, you can win in Total War with just horses against guys with guns, because it's Warhammer. Um, 
And perhaps we could even get help from the Wood Elves. Because they probably hate the Imperium a whole lot more than the Empire. I like more of this. But through sheer faith, courage, and honor, I'm sure we could make it happen. This man thinks faith in horses can match faith in glorious Sigmar. Mm -hmm. And we probably got more peasants than they have bullets anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) coming in with a slam dunk slightly (laughs) in there. Uh, Slight side question for Colin. Uh, How do you answer a Grail Knight charge? Uh, put halberdiers in the front, uh, handgunners in a raised position behind them, <laughs> and uh, that should be enough to weaken them. Uh, but, and but of still course, not live. <laughs> what? But still not live, probably. What the halberdiers? No, if they. <laughs> I'm just saying. Usually, unfortunately, Grail Knights some seem to have a little bit of um, main character syndrome, and they seem to be able to do ah. ridiculous things. <laughs> Well, in that case, the thing about Grail Knights is there's not very many of them. Uh, so while the Grail Knights are tied up in a single unit of halberdiers and uh, <laughs> handgunners, the rest of the army gets obliterated by artillery, magic, and spears. Okay, okay. Uh, you can say, you know, maybe the Grail Knights will win that engagement. Uh, a battle is not one engagement. Uh, the Empire will win everywhere the Grail Knights aren't. And then I don't care how damn strong the Grail Knights are, when the entire Imperial Arsenal is turned onto them, they're gonna fall sooner or later. Fair enough. Uh, I do have one more question for this round. This one's a little bit mean, <coughs> I won't lie. Uh, Colin first. Uh, justify your end times lore. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> oh, that is unfair to both of them. Yeah, uh, I, don't, so. I don't know my end times lore um, very a, well, I'm not gonna lie. As a brief uh, four rounds uh, of it. Uh, we'll explain <laughs> a little bit of the end times law, which is that the empire, at some stages, uh, there was a Skaven invasion that rocked the empire. I think and Bretonia somewhat. There was a Skaven invasion everywhere. everywhere. There was an Ulth one. <laughs> Pretty much everywhere. And uh, the empire, at many points, did seem to hold against uh, the, uh, the chaos tide. Uh, unfortunately, they did lose parts in uh, up to Kislev and their northern border, then possibly down to bits in Sylvania too. But then eventually, even um, there was even a siege of Altdorf. They even got that far in and eventually all had to be sent to Middenheim, where the end crimes then entered the setting. Uh, Colin, how can you justify the complete destruction of the Empire and its secret uh, failure at multiple points by certain members of the faction, such as Balthazar Gelt? and others to possibly fail the Empire. Well, I will justify it, and I'll even justify it for Bretoni as well, as GW demanded the setting was ending, and by <laughs> God, no one involved inside of the setting was going to stop that. Uh, see the Storm of Chaos campaign, where they tried to do that, except it was all based off battle reports, and Chaos kept getting wiped. Uh, but in-universe, uh, I will justify it by saying that the Empire did more than arguably anyone else, and more effectively than anyone else. Uh, even the elves, uh, who are a bit too busy having the wrong Phoenix King crowned. Hey, baby. Uh, and too busy fighting hey, amongst themselves. The Empire went to work. The Witch Hunters did their thing. Uh, they made an alliance with the undead, which, not a not an easy or good alliance, but as we all know, chaos is the ultimate threat. So it was, it was more of a, we won't stab you right now, let's go kill that chaos warrior, and it was good. You mentioned Balthasar Gelt. Uh, he did uh, do a little bit of an oopsie with the changeling and a try and of, kill Carl Franz. A little bit of a goof. But I would remind you before that that he walled off the entire nation of the Empire from from chaos 
with the auric bastion. He simply said, you're not getting in. And then a several thousand feet high wall from Attack on Titan was in the way of the Chaos Warriors. It was so high that it was peaking above the clouds. Uh, then, so uh, slightly pass over to Eli here, which as a brief uh, thing for people listening, actually very slightly brief part here as well. If you guys are listening and you'd like to hear Wama fancy stuff, definitely comment down some um, more uh, Wama fancy verses because we want the excuse to talk about it. We do love it for real, uh, for real, and uh, please do comment that. Uh, but for a slight bit on Eli's part, obviously Bretonia had a slight. Scaveny slash chaos slash other uprising. They did obviously uh, Guy de Breton. I can never say his name right. Guy de Breton. I don't know. The Green Knight did re emerge. I believe that Leon, Leon Kerr did participate in the Siege of Altdorf, did get crunked, unfortunately. And the. Uh, what's the name of the vampire? Um. The one who's in, um, who teamed up with the Bretonians, sorry, in uh, Bretonia at the end of the... Oh my god, he's the one who fought with Neferata, and he's like in charge of the, the dragons. The red dragons. What? what are you... Oh, oh, oh uh, the Red Duke, you mean? Or like... No, do you know who I'm talking about, Colin? The, um, Al... Not Al... Al Are we no. talking about the vampire who's in, like the who's progenitor that? of the blood dragons? Yes, that's who I'm talking about. Oh, Adverash. Aberash, that's it. Uh, Aberash, Aberash, I believe, did, did team up with the Green Knight, uh, Guy de Breton. He did. In, that's cool. So it's a little bit... Uh, Eli, I wish that think? wasn't off-screen. <laughs> Eli, uh, how would you defend possibly the complete, uh, essentially, fall of Bretonia and then essentially a last bastion being of essentially the Grail Knights and vampires? Is there any way you could think you could possibly get around? Do you think it's better than the Empire version? I mean, that sounds pretty cool, not going to lie. Don't you think? Green Knight and the uh, first first Blood Knight ever fighting off the forces of evil. I'm pretty sure Louis Leon Kerr killed the main Nurgle guy, didn't he? I think they both. Nope. They, oh, he got killed. Did they both him. die? Sad. Uh, I don't Leon, know my end Leon, times. Leon Kerr well. killed. Leon Kerr uh, got Festus killed, I believe. Uh, it was Sigmar himself who killed uh, the Glotlings. Oh, Glotkin. Yeah, I don't know my end times lore, but it sure sounds cool with the last bastions of Grail Knights and the Green Knight himself. With I just fight by saying it was GW's fault. I mean, to be fair, that's a good yeah. answer for both people there. Um, and I don't want to talk about what happened after that. The real <laughs> champion of the end times was Cetra anyway, so it's... We're not talking about Age of Sigmar. There will be no mention of Age of Sigmar in this house. Because there's no Bretonia or Empire. Um, but with that being said, though, I just I did want to bring up M times because unfortunately I like to make people suffer. <laughs> but with that Thank being you. said, though, this will be we move on to the last section. It's the minute we call it minute of hate, but it can be minute of uh, proclaiming your faction to be the best <clears throat> if you want. Uh, this is an opportunity for you guys if you want to say something positive or maybe extremely negative about the others. Uh, Colin, are you ready? Yes. Your time <laughs> begins now. Oh, man. Fucking stupid, worthless Bretonians. Ugh, fucking everything is horses. You know what they do when they're bored? Talk to their horse. They have no friends. Talk to the horse. You know how they do everything in their country? Talk to the damn horse. Oh, you haven't had sex in a while? Go proposition yourself to the fucking horse. That's all they know how to do. It's the horse. Uh, horse. I would just like to say, no Age of Sigmar. I'm bringing Age of Sigmar into this. Empire has models in Age of Sigmar. Bretonia has nothing. They were so stupid they got squatted from the entire damn setting in every way. 
Uh, oh, and by the way, speaking of models, uh, Total War had to invent many of the units wholesale because they were so left behind in Warhammer Fantasy. They didn't have any models. They were an all-cavalry army that the Empire was able to statistically beat in cavalry in 8th edition because that's how little anyone cares about Bretonia. Those stupid land... Not, not land... Dumb, stupid, cut entire country. Pretend, pretend country. It's not a country. It's a fiefdom. The Empire of Man may be based off the HRE, but it's and ten time. times as good. Stop. Okay, uh, that's been building for a it's while. Clearly, um, Eli, are you ready for your rebuttal? Yes, sir. Your time begins now. Mm, I only have a few words to say, but before that, I will say, even though we're not in Age of Sigmar, I do believe we're the models being updated for Old World right now, and the Imperium's not. But on to my main uh, roast for you. I blow my nose at you, so-called France King. You and all your silly Imperial Knigets. I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough wiper. I fought in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Now go away or I shall taunt you for a second time. <laughs> what is a knigget? <laughs> what he says to the Monty Python. <laughs> okay. I assume that's your time. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to say in your last minute? Uh, nope, that was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was not expecting that. Um... That, uh, that threw me off kilter, I'm not going to lie. Um, again, I do have some questions. Uh, Good nigget. <laughs> is the Frenchman from Monty Python? You I know. It is, but uh, for, you got it. we are specifying it's not naughty word uh, YouTube doesn't want us to say. Oh, is that? Uh, we're just making sure that's very clear uh, for people listening for the audio. Uh, I do have um, a question for each of you I'd like you guys to answer. Uh, I'll actually go in reverse. I got Eli first here. Um, Eli, how do you justify the blatant caricature of your faction? The kind of real laziness to their overall look and inspiration? Uh, they still look cool. They don't need to be. They, they clearly didn't have to work very hard to make them look cool, so I mean, if it ain't broke, why fix it? And, come on. France in the medieval times was pretty baller. I'm not gonna, oh, that's, that's a better defense than I, I thought it was a real like low-hanging fruit one I've given you there, so it's not a bad <laughs> defense there. Uh, I do have one here for uh, Colin. Um, how do you justify as your faction... Oh, sorry. How do you justify your faction birthing essentially the ever-chosen and eventually leading to the end times? Uh, with your, I don't know. With your, your basically your your main man Archeon essentially being born and part of the Empire and growing up in the Empire and then betraying the Empire. How and do you justify the Emperor the Emperor creating nine kids who all tried to kill him and empower chaos more than ever had been before? Do you consider that a fault of the Imperium and the Empire? Uh to not be able to account for every single human being. By the way, I might also add that the father of Archeon was Bellacor. Uh and even with that, it was Archeon was a noble knight for quite some time, many decades. He was one of the most zealous of Sigmar's followers. Uh, the Empire itself did very little wrong uh, regarding Archeon's fall. It was only when Chaos started taking note of him that they decided to act uh, and try and get rid of a future ever chosen. So, 
perhaps you can say, you know, blame the gods in some way for it, for leaving Arcan in silence, but the Empire itself did, I would say, nothing wrong in regards to allowing Arcan to exist. The, the, the worst thing I could say the Empire didn't do is they didn't kill a baby. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh man. What a, what a crime! You didn't kill that infant <laughs> because he was born near near Ish Norska. This is like the Thanos thing, isn't it? Where it's like, do we go back in time and they make the the hand signals like, you know, yeah. Do we do it? Do we do we do we do we do it? It's like I would say it's like the the word they they only acted against him after the swords of chaos started taking an interest in him and trying to recruit him to become the ever chosen. Uh, before that, the Empire didn't give him any push towards Chaos, and Archeon was more than happy with that uh, when he was Diedrich Kastner. He was a noble knight of Sigmar until he, uh, until he wasn't. <laughs> I guess a slight add-on to that question, which is, you did say earlier that the, the gods of the Empire, the great thing about them is that they give power when it's needed, and when poor old uh, Diedrich Kastner begged Sigmar to answer him, in his moment of need, uh, where was Sigmar? Or, oh. uh, I think I can actually give a pretty good answer to that. Sigmar was trapped by Zinch in the magical vortex of Ulthuan to prevent him from interfering with the Chaos God's plans any further. And with that in mind, I would say that it's no small stretch of the imagination to say that in this specific case, with especially Zinch of all people, probably knowing what Arcan was going to be in the future, uh, that Zinch was specifically interfering with Sigmar's ability to speak to Archeon or grant him like any sort of boon as a sign, like, "Hey, no, I'm, I'm here for you. Don't, don't do what you're about to do." Uh, as again, Sigmar is stuck in a magical uh, tornado, specifically existing to drain magic from the world. I, uh, I don't think it's a slight against him to say that. A little bit hard to get a message out when you're doing that, and a chaos gods themselves are probably actively interfering with you yourself interfering with the world ending Pretty it wasn't like okay, it, it wasn't like sigmar was in the best of positions uh during while for quite a bit of his godhood actually i'd say that's a pretty decent response having uh having listened to both arguments here is there any last points you guys want to make before i make my verdict perhaps the last hoorah or you guys ready to let me kind of go through what my current thoughts if you side with Artoni you have sex with horses and I hope you get hellstormed <laughs> I lovely. think the emperor the empire is pretty cool oh I mean he's kind of hit us with some kindness there that's kind of uh, it's, a, it's a last minute guilt trip which is actually pretty effective um, I will Wait, say that, though <laughs> salt spire does not approve he does not uh, he's looking at me with his one <laughs> good eye uh uh, just going through the sections, I think uh, section one, I think Colin talked about the overall faction itself, its great achievements, its strides, its culture, its uh, general power itself, you know, the might of a professional army, as he said. I think Eli spoke of it almost in a way in which Bretonia would speak of themselves in uh, very romantic language. They speak of their heroes, they speak of their actual, the, the core beliefs of Bretonia, which is, you know, when you ask yourself, what does the Empire believe in? It's maybe not as clear as much as Bretonia have things like ideals such as honor, duty, and uh, overall service. Uh, obviously, there were some good parts about how to deal with chaos. Uh, I think 
Slightly, Eli's got a little bit of an advantage on the drip side of things, just because, as I did say earlier, you know, Medi some of us grew up with Medieval 2, and in general, we all, when we look to learn about history, I think a lot of us are drawn to particularly Medieval history. Maybe not. I did. I did admit Bretonia has drip. It does have drip, and uh, on the next sections again, I think Colin made some good points about specifically the heroes and the gods. Uh, as much as Bretonia has the lady, he does make a point that it's technically used as a overall lie. The lady is an elven goddess, Lilith, and it's Bretonia. As much as there is honor and duty within the service of the Grail Knights, they are essentially serving a lie in a way. It's still a nice lady. Still a nice lady, technically. Uh, She's a very nice lady. She's just cocking them. Very much so. Um, the Empire does have some... It has their own pantheon. I can't remember the name of the God of the Dead. The one. More? more? Yeah. A bit more. They've got some a uh, bit more flavour to them, shall we say, in that regard. Obviously, there's like the entire Winds of Magic, particularly in Total War, generally used by the Empire. So, a bit of flavour there. And obviously... You know, our beloved Karl Franz, uh, <laughs> Prince of Reichland, uh, Emperor, uh, all the titles, as we said. Um, as much as he's the Giga Chad of all emperors, uh, so it's hard to kind of argue with that. Although Eli does have some good points, like the Green Knight. There isn't really a kind of response to a Green Knight in the Empire as much as that would be cool. Uh, the Green Knight's kind of a unique thing. It's literally like myth, living myth, you know, ethereal unit. So that's kind of cool. Uh, end times, I guess we could both say that cancel each other out. Although I will say Britonia does, it gets off, it's not like Britonia's better, it just gets off better. Like, it, it, it has suffered less. I think uh, it killed off screen. Yeah, not in Age of Sigmar, they don't, oh my gosh. I think, yeah, they exist in Age of Sigmar, they're the flesh eater course. Woo. But I would say being on screen during the end times is much worse. Um, so. yeah, you know what? That is a, that's a fair argument to make. That's, so that's kind of a bit more that's a bit worse um as the last section uh eli was a little bit kinder i think there's not Colin's right there's a bit of it's a bit easier to hate bretonia uh the horse fuckers part was funny <laughs> particularly um eli i think also just i think eli being a little bit kinder about it because again the empire is maybe not it maybe it speaks volumes that you can there's not as much to hate about the empire because it's maybe not as um let's say there's not as much flavor to it in the way it's almost like milk you know white bread you could you can almost argue like you can't really hate something that's doesn't really make you feel that much love either um it could be seen from that angle um mm. i will say though uh again colin did a good defense of the ever chosen part i think technically it's not really the Empire's fault, as in there's obviously something that went to play that was larger within it, but I mean the real answer for that is the writers were gonna make it happen no matter what. <laughs> which is the truth for most of the answers. Now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um I think Eli did I mean it was a good saving answer, like what is a essentially Bretonia is caricature, it's pretty much a low-hanging fruit of a faction style, but it works. It does work, it, it does exactly what it says in the tin. Um, coming to a conclusion though, this was pretty difficult this one because in a way they both have so much, the Empire's got so many more wins but the Bretonia wins are just so much, like the very few wins they have are just a little bit stronger, if you know what I mean, they're just a little bit more like they just excel in like their very specific area. 
and uh, I mean, I mean, I got like Eli the guilt trip at the end, saying the Empire is cool. <laughs> you know, made me feel guilty. So unbelievable. I know, and with all that hate, he mixed in a bit of kindness, which is like quite like ah. Um, I think I'm actually quite stuck on this one. I will have to go with. Oh, is the coin flip? I mean, I have to go with Empire. I think in the end, just because I think on paper, Edge. as much as I think Eli <laughs> possibly had some great points, and it may would have swayed my heart a bit more. On paper, I think the Empire is slightly better. I mean, like it's a concept. The, the professional army point uh, just came back into my head that last second. Then I thought. He's right. It would just. I think they would. If it was versus each other, as we are in this verse episode, I think the Empire would wipe the Bretonians off the face of the earth, and then the horses, the horses would be left alone <laughs> after that. <laughs> that's, oh that's, that's the real rescue the Empire right. can provide. I won the people's hearts, and that's all that matters to me. There were some great arguments, I think, from both sides. I do enjoy Eli's um, particular just positive attitude towards it. That kind of. As much as Colin was being hateful, justifiably, towards the Bretonians, though, uh, Eli's shining kindness throughout of, you know, just in general life as well. Eli's a very nice dude. And oh. um, that kind of made me go, oh, you know, it just kept bringing me back to Bretonia. But again, I get on paper, I think, uh, unfortunately, Empire do slightly take it. It was close, though, boys. Uh, How do you guys think your competitor did? If you had any uh, thoughts for your the buddy? Uh, I, I, coming into it, I already knew Colin knew way more about the Empire than I know about Bretonia, and he he definitely showed that he knows his stuff. So it was a, it was a good argument. It was a good showing. A little bit more of a uh, positive end on the episode on this version mm -hmm. of versus. Uh, again, thank you guys uh, so much for listening. And uh, again, we love suggestions. Uh, the suggestions. We will obviously try and cover them, particularly if it's fantasy ones. We, again, we said earlier, we'd love the excuse just to talk about one of the fantasy because it's still alive. Trust me, bro, I swear. Um, <laughs> it's still CA's trying to kill it, yeah. Final oh, nail in the coffin. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll get back on this and it's changed a little bit. <laughs> bro, it hurts. Come oh, on, man. come on, Horsham. We've got some good ideas. Right, old world will come out in the next 10 years, bro. I retired. <laughs> After 30 more scouring novels, it's coming. Oh. <laughs> With that being said, though, uh, thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Um, if you haven't seen some of our other stuff, obviously we have the Beginner to Expert podcast. Um, if you're new or you're kind of very advanced in Warhammer knowledge, it's a great opportunity to kind of either, you know, get your, dip your toe in and then have a, you know, first listen, learn some stuff, or maybe we'll cover some details you haven't heard before and obviously we'll... There's unreasonably uh, crass banter between all of us boys. And uh, again, suggestions for verses. We love to hear them. Um, doesn't have to be fancy, as I mentioned earlier. It can be 40 Be Endless Space 2. <laughs> Endless Space 2, Sigma, or even other franchises. We love to hear it. And uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Peace. Bye. Love you. Bye, everyone. Take care.